Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, you are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus you sometimes were afar off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father, Verse 19, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into your presence once again this morning, Lord, we're grateful for what we have felt in this place. We want to thank you for the songs of Zion, for the presence of God that has ministered to our hearts. And I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would give us leadership, wisdom, and guidance. May souls be saved and lives be changed for the glory and the honor of God. I ask that you'd be pleased with our worship this morning. God, help us to not do or say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I've been preaching through the book of Ephesians just as the Lord would lead us here. And I thought about it mentioned last Sunday in chapter number one, uh, Paul emphasized the church and he talked about how that he was still excited to be a part of the church. And I want to remind us again, it's a week later, but I'm just as excited this week about being a part of the church as I was last week, amen. And Paul said he was excited because the church uh, was planned by the Father and it was purchased by the Son and thank God is preserved by the Spirit. Amen. And then Paul closes chapter one by praying for the church and gives four points that points them to Jesus. Amen. And all prayer ought to bring us to Christ. Isn't that right? And we come to Ephesians chapter two and in Ephesians chapter number two in these first 10 verses here, Paul reminds us as he unveils the church as God's masterpiece. And I'm glad that we are a part of the church. Amen. I may not look like much and you may not look like much to this world, but my friend, we add to the masterpiece of the church. And one day, as we said this coming last Wednesday night, we talked about how, my friend, every spot's gonna be taken out, every blemish is gonna be gone, and every wrinkle is going to be ironed out. And Paul tells us in these verses here, he shows us, my friend, three ravaging forces as he talks about in verses one through three, he talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I wanna tell you, friend, they are our enemy. They're not just our enemy as Christians, but they're enemies of the church, amen? But my friend, he not only talks about three ravaging forces, but he talks about three redeeming facts. In verse four and five, Paul talks about mercy, and he talks about grace, and he talks about love, amen? I'm glad, thank God, for every ravaging 
ravaging force. There is a redeeming fact that will overcome this world. As the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. And then Paul gives three, my friend, resulting features in verse number five and six. As he says, even when we were dead in sins, notice this, he said he's quickened us together. And then in verse number six, he's raised us up together. And then in verse six, he's made us sit together in heavenly places. There's one thing about the church you can mark down. We are together now and we're going to be together in eternity, amen? We're gonna be more together over yonder than what we are down here, amen? I don't know about people that don't wanna be in the church. I don't know what they're gonna do when they get to heaven if they get there, Brother Danny, and they've gotta spend eternity every day, every eternity together, amen, in the church. And so Paul talks about the church. But when we get to verse number 11, he's told us what the church means to God. And he's told us what the church means, my friend, to the son and what the church ought to mean to the saint. But what about in this world, amen? You see, the world despises the church. Isn't that right? You know what? We are an irritation to society when you think about it. The church is not accepted by the world. And the reason the world doesn't like the church is because the world doesn't like Christ, amen? The world's never gonna love us until they meet him and fall in love with him. Isn't that right? We are his bride and we're his body. And so therefore, because they hate him, they hate us also. And if you and I are not careful, what we can, what can happen to us is we can fall into the pit that so many churches have fallen into today. You see, the problem with the church today is that the church is trying to blend in. Isn't that right? The church is trying to just camouflage itself and become more like the world. I'm gonna tell you there's a reason why we don't sing songs that sounds like the world. There's a reason why we don't make our buildings look like the world. There's a reason why we don't dress like the world and we don't act like the world and we don't have the mentality of the world. You know why? Because we're not of this world, amen? And so we don't need to adopt their philosophy. We don't need to adopt their fashion, amen? You say, why is that, preacher? Because in doing so, you know what happens? We lose our identity, amen? Now you think about this. You look at the average so-called church today and it don't look like a church. It looks like a bar, a dance hall. Am I telling the truth? A rock concert. You look at the average so-called preacher today. He don't wanna wear a shirt and tie. He don't wanna look professional. He don't wanna look like he's given his best for God. No, he wants to dumb down the dress, uh, wants to try to look cool, uh, wants to be a dude. He don't wanna be a preacher. He wants to be a dude, amen? They ought to look that definition up, amen, uh, and find out what it is. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, they wanna fit in. Uh, they wanna look like everybody else. Uh, I believe a man of God ought to look like a man of God. Uh, and some of these little young, 
some smart aleck punk say, well, what, is a, what does a man of God look like? I'll tell you what he looks like. He looks decent and he looks respectable and he looks holy. I know I'm not holy as I want to be or ought to be, but I'll tell you when I get up here, I want to look like a preacher, amen? And I'm telling you, it's amazing. For years, we knew what a preacher looked like and now we got a generation coming along. They're saying you don't have to look that way. But I'm telling you, it's still real to me. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? I don't want us to lose our identity. And I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on making our identity known. Making our identity known. And the reason I'm preaching that is because when you get to verse number 11, this is what Paul does throughout the rest of this chapter is he reminds the, uh, the church at Ephesus and those faithful saints uh, who the church is uh, in this world. Our identity is not supposed to be hid, but it is supposed to be known. We're to have a full understanding of what our purpose is, what our plan is, what our position is, uh, and where our power comes from. Amen? And the church is not supposed to be hiding. Amen? We're not supposed to be blending in. Uh, we're not supposed to be popular. We're supposed to be light in a dark world. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be a city that is set on a hill. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to stand out. You say, but I don't want to be different. I want to tell you, if you're saved, you are different. Amen? And you'll never be the same again. If you can go be like the world and act like the world and it never bother you, then you never came out of the world. Amen? I'm telling you, something happened to me about 30 31 years ago, I, my friend in a little storefront building on a hot July summer morning, I, I fell on my knees and got saved by the grace of God. I, I want to tell you something, I've not always been right, but I've always been different ever since the day that the Lord saved my soul. Hallelujah. I want to tell you what, this morning, if you're saved, you're different. You can go out there and live in sin, but you'll never enjoy it like you did before you got saved and you won't get by with it, amen? It'll cost you. And so Paul says here, wherefore, remember. And that's what we need to do. We need to remind this younger generation that's here this morning. We need to remind the moms and dads. We need to remind the pastor this morning that we have an identity and we're not to apologize about our identity. We're not to be ashamed about our identity. We're to stand up. We're to march on. We're to be counted. We're to stay faithful and make our identity known. Amen. This passage is so important for this hour because for the first time, and it's not really the first time I reckon, but it is the first time that it's as, as bold as it is. They're wanting to silence the church. They want to penalize us. They want to shut us down. They want us to close our doors, cancel our services. They want us to use their uh, web system. I don't want to be caught in the web of, of just an online church. Amen. I don't want to be caught in the web. Somebody say, well, the offerings are up. Thank God they're up. But I tell you, there better be more to a church than good offerings. Amen. 
I'm telling you, that sure tells the heart of a lot of preachers uh, when they're excited about church one time a week and the offerings being the same. Uh, I tell you what, if I listen, I'd be wondering what their motive was. Uh, I'm just telling you, friend, uh, uh, there's more to this thing than offerings. Amen. It's about the souls of men. Uh, and yes, we're to tithe. And yes, we're to give to missions. Uh, and we're to give to special offerings. Uh, but if all we got is a bankroll, we don't have nothing this morning. Isn't that the truth? So Paul, what he does is he wants to remind them of the church's identity. He wants to make it known, and we ought to make it known. Who is the church? What is the church? I want to say, first of all, this morning, Paul tells us here in verses 10 through 12 that the church is the product of grace. Amen. He said, for we are his workmanship. I preached a little on that Wednesday night, but I left the definition off on purpose. Because the definition to the word workmanship, it can mean trophy, it can mean a lot of things, but what it means the most is his poem. We're his song. We're his workmanship. If you want to know what the Father sings about, he sings about us. We're a product of his grace this morning. And my friend, when you think about that, what is that so wonderful? He said in verse 11, wherefore remember that ye being in time past. I tell you what we ought to remember this morning. What'll help us shout about being a product of grace uh, is if we'll remember in time past who we really were. You see, we weren't a part of the church. Even if you was born in this church and your mom and dad raised you in this church, you wasn't a part of the church until you got saved. Isn't that right? And my friend, when you think about who we were in time past, uh, the key word in verse 12 that reminds us of who we were is the word without, amen, we were without, amen, and if you remember who we were, he tells us in verse 11 that we were without the camp, we were called the uncircumcision by the circumcision, brother Samuel, your people, called our people the uncircumcised, we were Gentile dogs is who we were, we were without the camp, we're just a bunch of Gentiles, we were without Christ in verse number 12, that in that time ye were without Christ. We were without citizenship. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were without covenants and strangers from the covenant of promise. We were without comfort. We had no hope, he says. We were without a creator. We were without God in this world. I'm telling you this morning, before we got saved, all that we had was nothing but isolation and separation and damnation and my friend annihilation that's what was waiting on us according to verse 11 we was unwelcomed in verse number 12 we was uncircumcised we was unwelcomed we was unrelated we was unhopeful and we were ungodly amen that's who we were that's what we were in time past but thank God because of grace because of grace because of the God of all grace. We're not who we used to be. Hallelujah. I'm thankful I was born in America. If you were born, in, you're obviously you were born in America. Most of you were, I'm sure. You look like you were anyway. Some of you. But you know what? You're here this morning. You're born in America. You heard the gospel. Most of you, I don't know, I'm not gonna take a poll this morning, but most of you were probably born in the South. Somebody say amen. amen. That's right. 
you can say it up north, you don't get no amens. They're just bitter because they wasn't born down here. That's right. I want to tell you, when you think about where God lets you be born, he lets you be born in the south, the Bible Belt. I know the buckles are breaking on this belt, but you were born in a good place is what I'm telling you. You were born in the land of the free and the home of the brave is where you was born. You were born in a place, no matter what this, uh, listen, communist society says, uh, you were born in a place that had a Christian heritage, uh, my friend, uh, and was built on Christian principles and a foundation uh, that God has blessed this nation and God has, you've been born in a good place, uh, but even being born in a good place, uh, you could have still died and went to hell. Uh, You were still a Gentile. You were you were still a dog. You were still a stranger to promise. You were still outside the covenant. You were still, my friend, without hope. You were still without God. Oh, but one day, a grace came to your doorstep. One day, somebody brought the gospel your way. And what we are is we're a product of grace this morning. The church is a, part of, a product of grace. And then he tells us in verse number 13, That down to verse number 18, that the church is partners with Israel. I'm glad Brother Samuel's here this morning. And uh, I hope you're back tonight because I'm preaching about the Jews tonight. And uh, I'm glad God, I'm glad God sent Brother Samuel free to our church. Amen. I don't know anybody that's more humbler than Brother Freed. He wants no recognition. He wouldn't even want me to say this today, but it ought to be said. I don't know anybody that spends more time in prayer than Brother Samuel Freed. He doesn't tell nobody about it. He doesn't brag about it, but I know his life. God's raised him up in this day and time. He's a, and I'm glad we're a partner with Israel. I thank God for hope of Israel, don't you? I thank God for the nation of Israel. My friend, there was a time when we were the outcasts and they are God's people. He said, yea, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. But because of Calvary, because of Jesus, when you get to verse number 13, we're now partners with Israel is what the Bible said. We've had a change of position. Look what he said. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see what chapter two tells us in the first 10 verses, we were separated by death. But in these verses, it tells us we were separated by distance but because of the blood of Christ guess what we've been made nigh we've had a change of position I'm glad thank God we're on Israel's side now amen I want to tell you my friend being on Israel's side means you're on God's side amen I'll tell you one of the reasons God has been merciful to America is because we've been on Israel's side and I pray that God will continue to let us be that way I'm telling you thank God for the nation of Israel thank God for the Jew amen we ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem we ought to pray for the nation of Israel. God's not through with a Jew, but God's gonna raise this nation up and Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the whole world for 1,000 glorious years. We've had a change of position. We've had a change of privilege. Look at verse 14. For he is our peace who hath broken, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You know, in Bible days, if you was to go to, the, to go to the temple to worship the true God, and you as a Gentile, you know what you'd had to do? When you went in, 
they would, when you had walked in, you'd have walked into the court of the Gentiles. And there would have been a partition between uh, the Jews and the Gentiles. And if you somehow could have got through that partition, uh, there would have been another partition, uh, my friend, that would have went into uh, to the Israelite women and there would have been a partition there that you would have had to go through if you could have got through that partition, uh, got to the sanctuary, to the temple. There would have been another partition that only the high priest could have went in. And my friend, you'd have had to get through that partition. And then if you'd have got in that holy place, uh, guess what? There was a veil that separated the priest from God. Uh, and my friend, listen, you'd have had to got through that one. I'm gonna tell you through Christ uh, and through the blood, guess what? He's broken down the middle wall, a partition that between us, uh, there's no veil, there's no partition. Thank God, Jew and Gentile, uh, Romans said the same Lord is rich over all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Calvary. When that veil was rent at Calvary, it broke the, they broke down the middle wall of partition. And I'm gonna tell you, if you wanna know when the blood made it to heaven, I'll tell you when. Just before the veil was rent. The veil could not have been rent had the blood not been applied to the mercy seat. Hebrews said, he through the eternal spirit when Jesus died, you go read it in Matthew chapter 27 when he bowed his head and he cried into thy hand, I, Father in thy hands I commend my spirit and he gave up the ghost. At the very moment that he gave up the ghost, guess what happened? The next verse says the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. You say what happened? I'm gonna tell you the very moment that Jesus bowed his head and gave up the ghost and dismissed his spirit, his soul went into the heart of the earth. His body was still on the cross, but his spirit took that blood and put it on the mercy seat. Wasn't no angel gonna touch that blood because only the high priest could do that. And he is our high priest. He didn't lay on the ground for three days and three nights. I'm telling you that much. I'm telling you the blood was gone. It was put on the mercy seat and God was satisfied and the veil was rent and thank God for that. I wanna say this morning, thank God we have a change of privilege, hallelujah. Change of position. I wanna say we have a change of priority. Look at verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for notice this, to make in himself of twain one new man. One new man. So making peace. You know what Calvary did? Calvary did not turn a Gentile into a Jew. And Calvary did not turn a Jew into a Gentile. But what Calvary did, Calvary took the Gentiles and the Jews and made them both one new man. You see, when God sees us now, he don't see the church as Jews and Gentiles. He sees us all as one new man. 
That Jew sitting back there, you know how God sees him? The same way he sees us Gentiles. He's a new man in Christ. And if you're saved, you're a new man in Christ. And every time a Jew gets saved, they become a new man in Christ. Uh, you say, how's that possible? He broke down the middle wall of partition. We've had a change, uh, my friend, a uh, priority. And now, thank God, uh, we're just all a part of the church. Uh, we're one new man in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature, amen? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hallelujah. Change of priority. Then a change of purpose. Look at verse 16. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. That word reconciles a rich term which holds the idea of, tur- of turning hostility into friendship. You imagine that? Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 2, the same chapter, uh, said that the wrath of God, we were child, children of wrath, uh, and by nature, we were children of wrath, even as others. The wrath of God was on us. I mean, we had a sentence to death, a sentence to hell. Uh, you and I was without hope. We was without God. Uh, I'm telling you, we was, uh, uh, listen, God was against us, uh, uh, but I want to tell you, because of the cross uh, and the blood of Jesus Christ uh, that was shed at Calvary, if you accept Christ as your Savior, thank God that God, uh, he won't become your judge, he'll become your father, amen uh, he'll become your master he'll become your lord, uh, I want to say this morning, uh, I know that we're going to stand at the judgment seat, we that are saved, uh, the church will be there but I'm glad on judgment day, thank God the judge is my best friend he's my relationship uh, I'm glad there's a connection with the one that's going to be judging us, hallelujah and this morning who is the church? we're the product of grace We're partners with Israel. There's a change of pattern, a change of promise. For through him, verse 18 says, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. What a change of promise. We have the same promise that God gave them. He's given it to us through Christ. The Bible said in verse number 17 that Jesus came and what did he do? He preached peace to you that were afar off and to them that were nigh. What a change. You see, at one time, he said, I could not, I did not come uh, to the Gentile dogs. He said, I came to the, lost, uh, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But after Calvary, he preached a message of peace. That's what the message was when Jesus remained. It was peace after Calvary, the re- or after the resurrection. When the resurrection took place, guess what? Everything was finished. Everything was finalized. Victory was won at Calvary, but victory was also won in the garden. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and he made peace for us uh, at the cross, uh, but he preached peace, amen, to us uh, after the resurrection, at the ascension. I thank God that's what Pentecost brought in. It ushered in the church and thank God it's brought peace and now you and I came this morning and we didn't have to bring a lamb and we didn't have to bring an ox and we didn't have to bring dust but we came here this morning and you can come to an altar during an invitation and you can come boldly, that means freely, unto the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help. I'm thankful because of our high priest. There's been a change of pattern. There's some better things for us and it's in Christ hey I'm glad I'm in the church this morning hallelujah the church we're partners with Israel we're a product of grace the church we are the people of God look at verse number 19 
Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, notice this, with the saints and of the household of God. You know what I see in verse 19? I see that the past is gone. We're no more strangers and foreigners. We're no longer on the outside looking in. We're on the inside looking out. I want to tell you this morning, that makes me want to shout. I just felt a little bit of God when I said that. I remember when Brother George, I was on the outside looking in. And what I saw, I didn't understand. What I saw, I didn't desire. What I saw, I didn't want. I used to think as a young boy, them poor old Christians, all they want to do is go to church and just sing them old songs. And, and you know, they want to, I don't understand all that about church. Didn't have no desire. You know why? Because I was on the outside looking in. Hey, some of you here this morning, you go to church every week and you can't get in on nothing. You can't get nothing out of the singing. You can't get nothing out of the preaching. You sit there and just can't wait. You have to endure the service. You know why? Because you're on the outside looking in. I'm going to tell you, if you ever get on the inside and you start looking out, guess what? I could, we, every one of us could get drunk, you know that today, every one of us could smoke pot, every one of us could go out and live a, a perverted lifestyle, but we're on the inside looking out, and guess what, we don't want to, amen, I, I tell you why I don't get drunk, cause I don't want to, amen, I tell you why I don't smoke pot, cause I don't want to they can have all they want of that I'm telling you friend, living for God and being a Christian is the best life I have ever known, I wouldn't trade places with a president, I wouldn't trade places places with the kings and my friend the the captains of this world I wouldn't trade what I feel in my soul for all the money and all the treasures and all the trinkets that this old world has to offer I wouldn't trade it for fame I wouldn't trade it for name I'm going to say I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold I'd rather be his I'm telling you and know that I'm saved by the grace of God I'm on the inside Young people, you hear me well this morning. I wish I could, I wish I would have been a better Christian. I mean that. Because I don't want you to think that I think I was a good Christian. But I can honestly and truthfully say this, and so can she. We gave God our teen years. No regrets. We gave God our 20s. No regrets. We gave him our 30s. No regrets. We're giving him our 40s. No regrets. I'm telling you this morning, there's nothing to go back to. I don't want to go back. People say, and I don't, I'm not being, I'm not being critical. I'm just being, people say, I thought about quitting. Can I tell you something? I, I failed God, but I've never thought about quitting a day in my life. You say, why? Every bridge back there's burnt. There's nothing back there to go back to. I don't care how bad it gets here. I may falter and I may fail God a whole lot, but I'm just going to, by his grace, get back up and keep on plodding on. You know why? Because I'm telling you, there's nothing back there but a bunch of heartache and a bunch of hell and a bunch of scars and a bunch of muck and mire. I've never wanted to go back. I tell you, if you ever get pulled out of the pit, you won't have to look at it again and say you want to go back to it. I want to say thank God this morning. I'm glad that I'm a part of the church. We are the people of God. Hallelujah. Our past is gone. Our present is great. 
Look at verse 19. We're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Hey, look up here at me this morning because I feel it in my soul. Hey, somebody sitting here this morning and you're backslidden, you're hard. You're saved. But you just go ahead and look up here at your preacher because you know, and I'm gonna tell you, I could about go to you this morning because the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart praying for you. You're, you're looking over the fence at this world. You're kindly in your heart, just, you're, you're just thinking about, well, I won't get completely out, but you ain't where you used to be at. You better hear what I'm telling you this morning. I mean, on my knees going through that prayer book, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost said, pray for that one right there. She's going down the wrong path. It's in her heart. Oh, you're not out drinking and smoking. I know you're not. But you're wondering, you're drifting. I wouldn't have told you that this morning if God wouldn't have put it in my soul. I want to remind you this morning and remind us all the best life you'll ever know is right where you're sitting this morning. You ought to get on your, we ought to all get on our face. Kiss the carpet. God save you. Give you a good home. Put you in a good church. Don't you ever think about getting out of God's will. Don't you ever flirt with the world. Why would you want to do something so foolish? Tell you what it's going to do. It's going to cost you everything you got brings you out. You're a stranger and a foreigner. God didn't have to let you in the fold. I'm not a Calvinist. You know that. I'm to the bottom line. Yes, uh, he could have let you have been born in Africa with a bone in your nose hanging up, my friend, somewhere uh, up a tree and, uh, and not knowing worshiping the gods of, the, of this world uh, and not knowing uh, uh, listen, uh, they worship the trees and they worship the stones and they, well, you know why? Because they don't know better. They've never heard the gospel. You could have been born on the other side of Red China somewhere uh, in communist China and never seen a missionary, never read a Bible, never seen a Bible. But God let you be born in America. He let you hear the gospel. You ought to never miss church another day in your life. You ought to be faithful. You know why? Because you're a, you're a fellow a citizen with the saints of God. Hallelujah. I thank God for the church. This morning, you think about in this church. There's enough people in this church, you don't know everybody intimately, but you can know everybody on a, on, a, on a casual level. You can know them as an individual. You can know them as a person this morning, as a fellow citizen. I think this morning we ought to pray for each other and love each other. We ought to thank God for each other. If there's anybody in this church that you can't go to and shake their hand, then you need to come to the altar this morning. You need to ask God to forgive you. If they know it, go ask them to forgive you. If they don't know it, just start shaking their hand. Don't go to them. If I had something in my heart, and I don't, but if I had something in my heart against Brother Laddie, and Brother Laddie had no idea I wouldn't want to go tell him that if I made it right with God because it would be just fuel for the devil to work in his mind and vice versa. Isn't that right, brother? But if I had, if it was known amongst us, then I would have to make it right with God and my brother in Christ. 
He said, why is it so important? Because we're going to spend eternity together. You ought to thank God you got a brother in Christ. Thank God you got a sister. Wasn't our present great this morning? Isn't it great to be saved? Our prospect is glorious. It only gets better. Look what he said in verse number 19. He said unto them, he said in verse number 19, and of the household of God. Let me tell you something. You go back to Exodus. God told Moses he had one desire. That was to dwell with man. He said, build me a tabernacle. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Man sinned. God was separated. He told Moses, build a tabernacle so that I might come down. God wanted to dwell with them. He dwelled with them in that tabernacle. They built a temple. Why? So God could dwell with them. Now in the New Testament, we don't need the temple. Amen? The church, the body, the body, not the building, not the brick and the mortar, but the body. We're the temple of God. Isn't that right? Where does he live? He lives inside of you. Have you noticed every temple got better than the one that was before it? The temple was better than the tabernacle. Our temple's better than some brick and mortar building. But one day, Revelation 22 says that we'll dwell with God and God will dwell with us and it'll be face to face. It'll no more be, uh, listen, faith is gonna end in sight. We're gonna stand in his presence. He's gonna stand stand in our presence and it's going to be face to face. It won't be in our heart. It'll be face to face. That's what's going to make heaven, heaven friend. I'm saying our prospect is glorious for the child of God. It only gets better. It's good to be a part of the church. How can you imagine what it's going to be like when all the saints, when all the church are gathered in and we're home. Hallelujah. We are the people of God and then we're the place of God. In verse 20, I want you to notice the foundation of the building. He said in verse 20 that we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Notice the framework of the building. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto the holy temple uh, in the Lord. And then notice the function of that building in whom ye also are builded together. Why? For a habitation of God through the Spirit. You know why it's so important as a church that we come together not just in body but in mind and in spirit because that's where God dwells. And this morning I want you to know if something I preach this morning if it hits you I want you to know this. I want you to know that I love you and that I'd only preach to you because I don't want to see you self-destruct. I don't want to see you get away from God. What kind of a preacher would I be this morning? To see somebody out there drowning and not throw a life, not, not throw a life preserver to you. I'm telling you this morning, don't you get mad. I felt a little kickback on that. Don't you get mad at what I said. You just know I'm throwing your lifeline this morning. Trying to pull you back to shore. Somebody threw me one one day. I thank God, Brother Laddie, I thank God for every preacher that got full of the Holy Ghost, looked me in my God-given eyeballs and told me what I needed to hear. What I need, not what I always wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. Thank God this morning for the Spirit of God. I want to ask you this morning.
Where you at? You're making your identity known in this crazy, mixed up world. We're supposed to be different. Brother John, the world's supposed to look at us and know that they don't have what we have. That we're different this morning. Would you dare to be different? Would you purpose in your heart? Hey, I want to say I'm glad that after 61 years, almost, that Bible Baptist Church is still an old-fashioned King James Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, shouting, mission-minded, door-knocking, without apology and not taking off the sign, Baptist Church. Not a tabernacle, not a temple, not a worship center, not a fellowship. We're a church. Brother, we are a church. We're not a one name. We're not the Lamb's house. Amen. We're not Abba's house. Amen. We're not the rock. We're on the rock. But we're not the rock. You know what we are? We're a Baptist church. We sing back, well, we sing our Church of God hymnal, don't we? But we sing it in a Baptist way. <laughs> we preach Baptist doctrine. We believe Baptist distinctives. We teach Baptist principles and pre- we still believe it matters to be a Baptist. I believe that this morning. I am not a Baptist by choice. I am a Baptist by firm conviction this morning. I'm telling you, it, there's bloodshed to be a Baptist. There's bloodshed to have the church. When Every time you ride past that sign and you see it out there, Sister Hasty, every time you ride past that sign, your husband and you paid for that sign to be put out there. And we appreciate that this morning. I was preaching one morning here and said, we're not taking Baptist or church off our sign. We didn't even have a sign sitting out there. And it dawned on me. And Brother Hasty come up after service. He said, would you care if I pay to have a, a sign put out there? And I'm going to tell you, it costs, I'll tell you how, it co- how much it costs because he's, he's in heaven, probably looking down saying, don't tell him, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It costs $5,000 to have that sign put up out there. Don't you thank God for that sign? You know what I like about that sign? The word Baptist is still on it. And the word church is still on it. And blood was shed for both of those words. God help any preacher to take it off. You know what they used to say years ago? I can remember old timers saying this. They said, well, if I had a if I had a halfway decent dog, I'd give it a name. Isn't that the truth? I mean, if you'd name a dog, why wouldn't you put a brand on your church? I'll tell you why they're not doing it today. They want to blend in. Why? It don't fit the mold. But thank God for it this morning. Let's make our identity known today.